0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. What's fascinating to me is that you could have a guy who's a defensive coordinator of a team. He was already the head coach of the team, and he's screwing him over twice. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, SiriusXM Channel 80. We have spent an awful lot of time, Joseph, discussing. Who is really to blame in Denver? And most of the discussion is centered around Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. In fact, all of it has. Is Payton not doing anything to improve Wilson? Is Wilson now just an average quarterback at this point in his career? But you go and you look at the numbers for Wilson, and we're not just basing it on that, right? Bad spot the other day, coughs it up. But you go and you look at the numbers, and they're better. He's actually playing better. And if you watch him, you can see him playing better. Sean Payton was brought in to fix him and to fix the organization. There are a lot of things that are problematic right now. The Denver Broncos have much bigger problems than Russell Wilson. Their defense is historically bad right now. They already gave up the 70, as we know about. The average points they're giving up is 36 points a game, and it's going to be skewed because of that number. I get it. But, Joe, their defense is a heck of a lot more to blame for their really lack of success than anything else. They're 29th in pass defense. They're giving up 36 points a game, and they have the worst rush defense in the league. The last time I checked, you put those three things together. That's not a good defense.
1: No. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. Let's look at what they did last year and what they've done in just a short time this season under the new regime. Last year, they gave up 21.1 points per game on defense. That's not bad. That's not bad. It's not elite, but it's not bad at all. That'll win you some football games. 21.1 points per game. Through five games this season, that number's jumped to 36.2. They're giving up 15 more points per game. They're giving up more than two touchdowns per game this season versus last season. That is a horrific drop-off. In terms of opponent yards per play, which is a very useful metric, last year the opponents of the Denver Broncos averaged five yards per play. This year they're averaging seven yards per play. That essentially means every first down sets up a second and three. That's a great scenario to be in if you are an opponent of the Denver Broncos. Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton hired him. Vance Joseph last year was the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals who ranked 31st in scoring defense. Sean Payton hired a guy who oversaw the league's 31st-ranked scoring defense, made him his defensive coordinator, and his defense stinks. A, that should not be surprising. B, that is on Sean Payton. Because it's not like Vance Joseph has a great track record of defense. He was in Arizona for four years. The best of the four years, which was 2020, his defense ranked 12th in terms of scoring defense. Mm -hmm. The other three years, 16th, 28th, and 31st. It got worse as his time in Arizona went on. So that's on Peyton. I don't blame Vance Joseph. I'd take the job if I was Vance Joseph. If I was overseeing the NFL's 31st-ranked scoring defense and someone came to me the next year and said, hey, we want to hire you and pay you a lot of money to run our defense, I'm absolutely saying yes, so I can't possibly blame him. Who I blame is Peyton. Peyton should have known better. Peyton should have hired better. I mean, his offensive coordinator is the guy that the Chargers got rid of, and his defensive coordinator is the guy that Cardinals got rid of. Are we surprised that the Broncos are in this spot right now? No. No, we're not. And – I am surprised that the defense
0: has been this bad because I think personnel-wise, we all expected it to be a whole lot better. It has been over the last few years. It hasn't been dominant, but it hasn't been like this. And think about it. Vance Joseph at one point was the head coach of the Denver Broncos as well. And now he's back as the defensive coordinator. It didn't go well the first time around, and it's not going well the second time around. And I get the rationale that it is not on him because he was not the one who hired him it's like you screwed up you hired me you know what you were getting and what you were getting was not a very good football coach but at some point though when you're peyton when you're making that hire him being such an offensive coach he is looking to hire somebody to come in and take complete control of the defense so that he doesn't have to be concerned by it now The buck stops with the head coach, period. I'm never going to argue that, okay? But we all know that there are different dynamics in the game between coaches. If you're an offensive coach, if you're a defensive coach, you might have guys who are coordinators in name only. You might have all of that. I look at that situation, and I look at somebody who hired somebody else to be the head coach of the defense, and that is going poorly. And if I'm Peyton... Who am I looking to? I'm looking at Vance Joseph. I'd be a lot angrier if I were the fans at Vance Joseph than I would be at Peyton.
1: Well, with Peyton, it's going to become real interesting in the next few years to see where he takes this Denver Broncos team because the further he got away from a prime Drew Brees, the worse his teams did. And it's easy to point at, at Breeze, especially at the end, especially at the end when they had that playoff game against Tampa Bay and their defense was absolutely phenomenal and Breeze couldn't throw the ball more than four yards down the field. So as a result, the Buccaneers just kept stacking the box and the Saints couldn't drive. That'll happen. Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. He had the right to go out on his shield the way he wanted to. Peyton wasn't going to pull him from that game like he should have. And that's understandable. But that was the end of that era. And as Breeze went, you know, the way so many quarterbacks and players do, you know, father time catches up to everybody. The Saints weren't nearly as formidable. So now Bre- now Peyton, much like Belichick moving on in the post Brady era, Peyton is moving on in the post Drew Breeze era. And it's not off to a good start. Sure. He's getting more out of Russell Wilson this year. The way they pay Russell Wilson, you should be getting these numbers and more from him. Eventually, he's going to move on from Russell Wilson. And I'm fascinated to see what he's able to do when there's no excuses. Because right now, it's easy to put the blame elsewhere. What's going to happen when it's your guy that's in that seat? And how are you going to perform? Because the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. And the Chargers and Raiders might create an opportunity for you to slide in as the number two. But Sean Payton has got some legacy-defining years coming up in Denver uh, after this season.
0: Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. How about what lies ahead, too? Thursday night football tomorrow night, they go to Kansas City. then you got Green Bay at home, then you got Kansas City at home. <laughs> the next two of the next three weeks, you get the Chiefs. and then a bye week and then a trip to Buffalo. First of all, I look at what is the number for tomorrow night right now? That's got to be two ten, and ten, 10 and a half.
1: Ten and a half, Chiefs, 10 and a half. And we don't know. Do we know about Kelsey yet?:
0: I don't believe we do, maybe that's why the number is where it is.
1: That's still a big number for a
0: Thursday night game. Yeah, I would have thought that was two touchdowns.
1: Uh, Thursday night game, let's see. I think a lower body injury. Kelsey, what are we talking about? Did not practice on the Kansas City injury report. I believe that may have been yesterday, um, Monday afternoon. Okay, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where that's at because I got to tell you, as bad as Denver has looked, I'm not laying 10.5 on Thursday night football if there's no Travis Kelsey. There's really? no Travis Kelsey uh, in week one against Detroit. We saw what happened there. The offense struggled, and that was at home. But it was Detroit. It wasn't Denver. No, but it I just don't— just gave you all these terrible defensive numbers. I know. It's just so many points on a Thursday night. See, you're the second person that's come to me this week and, and just basically, like, Kansas City's a lock, right? Like, are we really— I, maybe maybe I'm misthinking. Maybe I'm overthinking this. I just I, I, that's a ton of points for a Thursday night divisional game. And it's funny. I still think it's light. You still think I, it's light? You thought it was going to be two touchdowns?
0: Yeah. Well, that and I didn't take the Kelsey part into into uh, account. So that it's not like
1: he matters. If he no one's talking about him this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, I, I I look at that right now, and boy, ten and a half. I think I can make that happen.
1: All right, so you get so we're going to have to figure some stuff out tomorrow. We're thinking about Kansas City right now, huh? I, I don't right have a strong now. lean one way or another. It was just the initial reaction was that's a lot of points for a Thursday night divisional game, considering Travis Kelsey, even if he plays, isn't going to be 100%.
0: You know what I'm excited for? What's Later now? on today, toward the end of the show.
1: Day betting alert. Ah, uh, yes. Day betting alert. Uh, yes. Yes. I went with right. the family yesterday. I backed your Rangers. I was able to happened? get that one. And what happened? It worked it was well. over I, in the third inning. That's I needed that happened. one, too, because I was dead wrong on everything that happened earlier in the day. Thank God I spent all that time talking about how great Sonny Gray had been just to watch him get lit up immediately in the first inning of that game. <laughs> Couldn't have had a worse <laughs> handicap. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio,
0: SiriusXM XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We started the show discussing who Bill Belichick's successor will be in New England and why it's going to be Mike Vrabel, but we want to hear from you on that topic as well on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. In moments, week six's worst coaching matchup and it's a doozy that's on the way carlin versus joe espn radio this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance
2: Shotgun with Dowdle on Prescott's left. And there's a slant. Intercepted. Well, I know what
0: Cowboys Twitter's going to be full of. It's a punch in the gut. It's a kick in the ass. Whatever, whatever phrase you want to put on it, this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. Getting a lot of responses on what it means to take care of someone when you're going to a restaurant. Yeah. A lot of responses. Uh, hitting me up on Twitter, at Chris Carlin, at Joe Fortenbaugh. At Carlin versus Joe. One guy says, uh two in the stove on Twitter says assume nothing. Another one sends uh says, JSH, they'll just have they'll have them send out more blank that you have to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Uh the kitchen sends out an extra appetizer or dessert or maybe covers a round of drinks. See, that sounds about right. And then uh, BK Style chimes in with, put your pants back on, sir, this is an Applebee's. <laughs>
1: I mean if they're going to take care of you something's happening but you got to understand is it the reservation is it a tough reservation to get that might be it yeah. is it a meal you never know but I like the initial text or the initial tweet of just don't assume anything don't assume, assume anything it, you got to understand the character of the person saying it yes right if that yes. if, if that person's well established as someone who takes care of people then you can assume <laughs> the best or at least hope for the best
0: <laughs> i had a guy one time this guy who I just knew was, I knew him, and he was completely untrustworthy, and he handed me like an invitation to a Super Bowl party. It was during the Super Bowl week. And he handed it to me, and I brought it to the door of where this party was supposed to be. Like, he may have just been handing me out a flyer on the street. (laughs) (laughs) They looked at me like, what the hell is this? Yeah, no, that doesn't get you anything. Turn away. And by the way, you're not dressed to come in here anyway.
1: (laughs) Fun Super Bowl party.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't know. I didn't get in. Carla versus Joe (laughs) on ESPN Radio. You know, um, this on Monday night has just a possibility to be a clash of the Titans, Uh, one of the all-time great matchups of ineptitude in coaching. And when you get a chance to see Mike McCarthy Go up against Brandon Staley and who can screw up the game more like to me. How do we get that onto some sports books? How do we get some odds on who's going to win that particular matchup? Who will make more mistakes? How many times will Scaly go for it on fourth and
1: two at his own nine? (laughs) I love this. I I think this has the opportunity to be one of the best Monday night or primetime games we could see all season. Dallas coming off the loss to San Francisco. Chargers coming off the bye after an 0-2 start. They've won two in a row. They're going to host the Cowboys with the Cowboys laying two and a half points, which is very interesting considering what we just saw from their defense going against Justin Herbert and that Charger offense. Austin Eckler came out and said this week that he's 99% sure he's going to play on Monday night, which is a big boost for the Charger offense. I mean, converging storylines here. Chargers win this game. They move to 3-2. and two. They're very much back in the hunt for a wild card berth. I'm not going to go so far as to say they're going to threaten for the division, but they're very much back in the playoff conversation. But more importantly, a win for the Chargers means a loss for the Cowboys. And that would be three losses in four weeks, and suddenly the train's coming off the tracks in Dallas because we're no longer talking about all right. Maybe you're not in tier two, right behind San Francisco and Philly. Maybe you're tier three. We're talking about whether or not Mike McCarthy makes it through the end of the season because you don't want to get out coached and lose to Brandon Staley, especially in prime time. Brandon Staley's the guy that everybody out coaches for the most part, based on some of the decisions he makes and the way they execute. One fun fact to keep in mind for this game if you're rooting against the Cowboys is that they're off a game against the Niners. Since the start of last season, teams are 2-18 and 18 straight up and 4-14-2 four, against the spread the week after playing the 49ers. 2-18 and 18 straight up. The 20 games that have taken place after a team has played the Niners, 18 of those have been losses. Keep that in mind. It is a very physical game when you play the San Francisco 49ers. It is a very taxing game when you play the San Francisco 49ers. Historically, or at least from a recent history standpoint, Dallas is in a very unfavorable spot. And oh, by the way, it's on the road. It's Monday night, and the Chargers are coming off the bye. Can you imagine, Carlin, what we're talking about Tuesday morning if the Cowboys have lost three and three of four to the Cardinals, a blowout to the Niners, and then Brandon Staley and the Chargers? Well, here's the ideal scenario
0: for me at that point. It is... The Cowboys not only lose the game, but Staley did something late in the game to, in essence, hand the game over, and they still lose. Like, he does his little fourth and two from the 12, goes for it, gives the Cowboys the ball at the 12-yard line with a minute left, down four, and the
1: Cowboys end up coughing it up three plays later. (laughs) Cowboys end up not having enough time on the clock to get into the end zone despite being 12 yards away. Like the clock just expires because they can't get on the ball in time. I have to tell you. Prescott just throws a key interception in that spot and then, boom, radio gold the next morning. You know what you just did? Hmm. You got me excited.
0: Yeah. You got me excited to gamble. (laughs) <laughs> on that game in particular. You really did. Oh, it's going to be four. Four, li- look at it. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. Four, 14, and two. And then I put a giant box around it to remind myself, hey, don't just rip off this piece of paper and throw it out later, uh, dummy. Make sure you keep it. Four, 14, and two. And the Cowboys are giving two and a half points to the Chargers.
1: Everything like, yeah. about that smells, right? I, that it smells, it's just like we're going to be betting on the Chargers I know. What and makes that's this the problem. An acid game of the week. We're betting on the charge. I know. That's where you're killing me. Oh,
0: because I know Staley's going to do it to me. I know it. I have been ripping him entirely
1: too much for him not to do it to me. Yeah. You got to in a game like this. You got to bet it and then not watch it. You got to go do something else. <laughs> you can't watch it. You just check the score at the end. You assume everything went the way it was supposed to, and you move on with your life. Because you sit night. there, it's going to be too much. It's, it's going to be too much. See, like if it was a Sunday, I'd be no problem. i will go watch a different game. If it's right. a Monday night, now i got to go bowling or something. I know. you got to go to the monastery. you got to turn everything off. you got to go electricity-free and just kind of try to find peace with yourself. I don't know what you're going to do, but it's a lot. But that game, I mean, the implications. Because if the Chargers win, if the Cowboys find a way to go Go to L.A. and win that game on Monday night against a Mm. good team coming off a bye that that gets it back on track. Right. That's where you should be. That shows some resilience coming off that humiliation against the Niners. But you could just as easily see Dallas losing that game. And that puts them what at three and three with three wins over the Giants, Jets, and Patriots, Woof. and losses to the Cardinals, Chargers, and 49ers. Like Suddenly, we're no longer talking about whether or not Dallas is good enough to get to the NFC Championship game. We're talking about whether or not they're even a playoff team. Like We're talking about whether or not we have been completely misguided, completely fooled by all of this, and this team actually stinks. And keep something in mind. This is the Kellen Moore game right here. Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator in Dallas. Apparently not good enough for the Cowboys. So they part ways. Mike McCarthy takes over play calling duty. Kellen Moore goes to the Chargers to take over for Joe Lombardi, who's now in Denver. And he's the architect of this Justin Herbert-led offense. You don't think Kellen Moore's been sitting around for two weeks getting ready to try and exploit Dan Quinn's defense? You don't think he knows what Dan Quinn wants to do? You don't think this is a big statement for him as he wants to go get a head coaching job somewhere? Man, there are storylines for this Monday Nighter. That's why we're talking about it on Wednesday.
0: I absolutely love it. And and my favorite part of that whole story is that Kellen Moore basically got fired, left the building, went straight to the private airport where the jet was waiting for him to take him to L.A. to meet with the Chargers. Like, that's how quickly they wanted to hire Kellen Moore when he became available. He was in demand. He yeah. was in demand. I'll tell you, that. If you, if I made you go to war with one of those two coaches, oh come
1: on! If I made you go to war with one of them, who are you taking? I'm moving to Switzerland because they don't go to war. <laughs> they play it right down the middle. They want all your banking information and all your money. That's all they care about. That's me. Give me your money. I'll give you a secret code to get your access funds. You can hide your. You can to hide all your taxes and everything in Switzerland. That's what I, I don't want to go to war with either of them. I, I I'd probably... Good God, man. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I, I probably... I can't do it. I can't say Staley. I want to say Staley because I like the fact that he's aggressive. I think Staley makes good decisions. I think the execution's awful. But if I'm in war, I need good execution. On the flip side, if I'm dealing with McCarthy, it's like... I feel like I'm gonna have a chance to win the war, and then there's gonna be a situation late where we just decide, eh, and we run out of time, or oops, we ran out of timeouts, or we burned all our challenges four minutes into the game, and we got no opportunity left. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Like you can't, you just you can't or I trust can't either see guy. The play clock. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. Like that's why. I mean, it's it's more like who do you trust more? You trust Herbert or Dak more? Probably Herbert, right? Oh no question. I trust so him. then I'm probably going with the Chargers because at least then at the most important position I got. I got, some comf- I got some comfort in the QB. Okay, so
0: you, you are of the belief that b- what you're telling me is both of these coaches are
1: so bad that they cancel each other out. It's, I can't pick one over the other. And it's, it's amazing because they're both flawed in very different ways. I probably should be saying McCarthy because he has won a Super Bowl and Staley has done nothing. But I, I just, I've watched McCarthy's team. The way McCarthy had his team prepared for that Niner game is terrifying to me. If I'm an owner or a general manager, if I'm anything in regards to that was the biggest game of the year. Everyone knew it was coming. You and I started talking about that game after week two. They weren't ready to play. How are you not ready to play? Like, you got Micah Parsons talking about how next time they meet, it's going to be different. That's what that game was supposed to be. They just beat you in the playoffs for the second year in a row. This was the game that was supposed to be different. This was supposed to be the game where you guys announce yourselves and you get one back on the Niners. Instead, you got rolled, completely rolled. So the fact that they were so inadequately prepared for that matchup terrifies me into thinking, yeah, if I'm going to war, Mike McCarthy's my guy. Like, no way. Carla versus Joey, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel How dare you do that to me? How dare you ask me that question? Hey,
0: listen, you're going to get the tough questions and the tough choices here. I'm putting you in a bit of a squeeze box there. Next time you're in
1: Vegas, I got a guy who's going to take care of you.
0: Next time you're in Vegas, you're comped. See, that I would understand. (laughs) Spend away. Don't worry. It'll all be taken care of at the end. (laughs) (laughs) You clean out that mini bar. You do what you have to do. Not a penny. The road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Day
2: betting alert. That's yes. coming
0: up in just a little bit. But up next, does the regular season even matter anymore in Major League Baseball? We'll explain in moments on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN
2: Radio.
1: Garcia hits this one high and deep to left. Really far and gone! Adolis Garcia and the Texas Rangers now lead it 6 to nothing. Strike three! And the Rangers sweep another. They are rolling into the LCS.
2: We've said all along when the Rangers get in a good streak, they can beat any team in baseball. They are in a great streak right now.
0: Amazing. That's a team that folded down the stretch and cost themselves a division. And what happens? They stay on the road and end up sweeping away two teams that combined for 200 wins. It's Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, MLB insider Jeff Passan joins us right right now to discuss more of this. And Jeff, just, you know, you look across what's going on in the postseason so far. Is... Baseball right now, pretty much becoming the NBA, where maybe the regular season doesn't matter all that much.
2: I mean, has the regular season ever mattered? Like <laughs> eh, since 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 the postseason expanded to. The wild card, I would suggest. You know, when you had like the the East and West divisions, and you you had the division winners facing off in the ALCS and the NLCS, uh, I, I think that was pretty representative of the regular season. But once the wild card was added in the mid '90s, that changed everything. And so I, I think this is just over the last twenty five years, Chris. This is what it's been barreling toward. And I'm not going to sit here and suggest it's a it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just different things. I think the team that wins the World Series is not necessarily the best team in baseball. I think the best team in baseball is the team that plays best over 162 games, but it also shows to me the beauty of baseball that you can be the best team, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win a tournament.
1: We were having a conversation before the show started about this very thing. And that oftentimes, like you said, it's not the best team that wins the World Series. It might be the hottest team. Teams just getting hot like the Phillies did last year when they ran through the NL. Do you believe in momentum? Some people are, are big believers that momentum exists. Some people think momentum is really just a myth. Are you, Jeff Passan, a believer in momentum?
2: Yeah, I believe in momentum. I also believe in momentum's ability to be stopped extremely quickly. So, like, you can... Here's the, here's the thing. I, I just look at momentum like I do in real life. When any of us is doing something well it feels good. And when you feel good, generally speaking, you're going to do something better. You're going to be in a better uh, state of mind to succeed. Uh, Then, when you stop doing that thing well, you can start questioning yourself. And that puts you in a more difficult position to succeed. So yeah, of course, momentum exists just like clutchness exists. It's impossible to measure. I don't think it's nearly as important as people want to a, a sign to it, but uh, to, to ignore the idea that something like doing well will keep you on a track to do well, I think is, is a foolish thing and, and something that's just wrought by people who are so consumed with data and believe that data can tell every story that it doesn't involve the human element when we're all human beings who are playing these games.
0: Jeff Passan, ESPN NBA, uh, NBA MLB Insider. With I, I us. can be
2: an NBA insider if you want to. Like, <laughs> well, I know, and like you're who, very. Who? who, who are you, honestly.
0: <laughs> listen, I know you're versatile. There's no question, and I had it on my brain because of the first question I asked you. But let, let's get to the the Braves and the Phillies later this afternoon, Jeff. What does this start in particular mean for Aaron Nola, and kind of where his Standing is especially headed into free agency.
2: Yeah, it's super interesting because Aaron Nola, who's been the epitome of consistency over the last half plus decade, uh, had a down year this year. Uh, like his regular season, we we didn't see the performance that we normally see from Aaron Nola, and yet he came out in the in the wild card round and. Uh, looked like the classic Aaron Nova, and I understand it was against a lesser lineup, admittedly, with the Miami Marlins, but he was painting both sides of the plate with his two-seam fastball, and uh, you know, his breaking stuff and his change were really good. Like when, when Aaron Nola's on, he's one of the harder pitchers to hit in all of baseball. And he's going to be a free agent this off season when, you know, the, the guys who were at the top of the class pitching, why Shohei Otani out for a year with Tommy John surgery, um, Julio Arias, uh, on administrative leave right now. And nobody knows if he's going to sign anywhere, let alone what he's going to sign for. Um, so Nola is up there, uh, Uh, Not quite with uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who's probably going to be the highest paid, just pure pitcher in the class. But uh, Nola's going to be wanted by a lot of teams. And while I understand that one start in the playoffs does not a free agent contract make, these are the sorts of starts that get into, uh, I mean, when we're talking, you know, nine-figure contracts, get into owners heads as much as they do executives and owners say i need a guy who's got that pedigree and who's got that postseason performance to be on my team because i want him to do that uh for the team that i own
1: diamondbacks were a team during the regular season won a bunch of games but had a minus point or i should say run differential as we're talking about baseball right now so it's generally a red flag that maybe they're not as good as the record indicates then they get to the postseason. They run through Milwaukee. They're hammering the yep. Dodgers right now. Is this the, the hot team of the year? Is this How legit are the Diamondbacks?
2: I think the Diamondbacks are legit-ish. If we're talking about the hot team, it's the Rangers, and I'm sure we're going to get to that next. But the, the Diamondbacks are, are a team that I think has um, – it, it's one of those teams that's just gotten hot at the right time. And that's all it takes in October, right? You, you look on paper. The Diamondbacks, probably aside from the Marlins, have the least on-paper talent of any of the 12 playoff teams this year. And yet, Corbin Carroll, as a rookie, is a superstar, and we knew that before the postseason. And Cattell Marte is a really good player. Um, and and Lourdes Guriel and Christian Walker, and, and you know, Tommy Pham, a guy who's been around for a long time. Like, they have good representative big league players. They have Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly in their rotation. That's going to take you a long way. But uh, to, to see their bullpen guys doing what it's doing now, their bullpen was so bad before September. Like, bottom – five to ten in all of baseball, and since September it's been one of the three best bullpens in baseball, and it's helped guide them this postseason to where they are right now, which is the cusp of one of the bigger upsets we've seen in a while.
0: Jeff Passan, ESPN Senior MLB Insider. All right, last one. we got about 30 seconds on the Rangers. Uh, Jeff, does Bruce Bochy throw kind of sand in the face of the people that say the manager doesn't matter in the game anymore?
2: Anyone who says the manager doesn't matter is a moron, and you should not listen to that person. (laughs) Because that that to me means there are morons across baseball, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Bruce Bochy's awesome, and he always has been, and the game is much better with him back in it. But I'll tell you what, uh, the Rangers' bats are making Bruce Bochy uh, look like the smartest person in the world and someone uh, whose brain actually matches the size of his cranium. So uh, I would say that uh, the Rangers right now, if Max Scherzer and John Gray come back, which they're expected to and and potentially could in the ALCS, uh, Rangers might be the best team left.
0: Little-known fact, Bruce Bochy and I, both size 8 heads. We both have good giant heads. God, Carlin, you're an 8? Eight.
1: 8. On a good day. Wow. Jeff, I can confirm. That thing is like the moon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and at least Bochy's got some hair to cover it up. Yeah. Bruce Bochy has a size 8 head, too.
2: <laughs> Planetary at ESPN Radio. I like exactly. it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Jeff, awesome stuff, brother. Thanks.
2: Take it easy,
0: boys. Uh, Jeff Passan, ESPN, uh, MLB Insider. I had forgotten that Bochy had a size 8 head, but yeah, size 8.
1: Oh, I, I covered that dome for a few years in the Bay Area. It's a big dome, but it's filled with baseball knowledge. I don't know if there's a guy who's got his finger on the pulse of his own personal clubhouse better than Bochy. He knows what buttons to push and when to push them, and it's no coincidence he's got three World Series rings to show for it. Hey, He's full of baseball knowledge, and my head's full of pudding. <laughs> What's the song that's always playing in your head? Hey,
0: Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Tomorrow on Carlin versus Joe, with the division series coming to a close, three-time World Series champion David Ortiz joins the guys to look ahead to the League Championship Series. David- David Ortiz with Carlin versus Joe tomorrow at 2:20 Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. Big question is who's going to be starting a quarterback for the Browns. It's Carlin versus Joe ESPN radio, Sirius XM channel 80. So, The Browns, Kevin Stefanski, just announced a little while ago, Joe, that P.J. Walker is going to be working as the backup this week with Deshaun Watson still sidelined right now with his shoulder injury, and he could potentially start against the 49ers on Sunday. The 5-0 49ers against P.J. Walker. What is going on with this shoulder injury? It was supposed to be just a contusion For Watson, and that we're going on like two and a half weeks now at this point.
1: Yeah, there's clearly more here than meets the eye, and Vegas is a bit surprised by it as well. So, there's something in Vegas called the look ahead line. It's a point spread you can get about 11 days before the game goes off. It happens every Wednesday. So, for example, today being Wednesday, you will get point spreads for all of the week seven games. All right, week six is coming up, but we can look ahead to week seven. They'll give you point spreads on those games, and then when the games start on Sunday, they take those off the board, the games happen, and then the new point spreads come back up. These look-ahead lines can be valuable because you can look at the comparison as to what happened just based on that one game, and maybe you see an overreaction, or maybe you see what an injury is worth to a certain player. The look-ahead line for this game was Niners minus three. The Niners laying a field goal in Cleveland against the Browns, Against a team that was coming off the bye. Then the Niners dismantled Dallas on Sunday night. The point spread comes out Sunday, and it's Niners minus four and a half. That point spread is now as high as minus seven. It continues to climb. Now, you're going to take some money on the Niners, naturally, because of what they just did to Dallas. And now everyone thinks they're the best team in the league. Cleveland's two and two. They've had some sloppy games. But this clearly speaks to this injury being more serious than originally anticipated. Because if it was known that P.J. Walker was going to be taking reps and Deshaun Watson might not play this weekend, Cleveland wouldn't, have been minus, Cleveland wouldn't have been plus three last week. So now we're in this situation where we're looking at seven. P.J. Walker, I mean, 15 career appearances, seven starts, 57% completion percentage, five touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He'd be meat for that Niner defense, yeah. would he
0: not? A two and three lifetime as a starter. I mean, the other option is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and that didn't exactly go great. No, no, not Mm -hmm. at all. So uh, they don't have a great option here. I guess you could say that Walker gives them the best chance, but more than anything, I want to know exactly what we're dealing with here with Watson because, Joe, we're getting further and further away from what the Browns traded for. We really are because when they made the trade – They took on all of the flack that came with it, and understandably so, all that flack was justified in trading for Deshaun Watson, giving away everything they did, and then handing a guy a a fully guaranteed contract who was in the midst of, what, 30-some lawsuits over sexual assault. And now you have a guy that came back, played five games after he was suspended for 11 last year, six games. And he looked okay, but he didn't look anywhere near like the guy that we saw two years ago. And I thought, okay, well, you know what? He's just getting back, and this year he'll be back closer to normal. And boom, he's hurt again. And at first they called it a shoulder contusion. And here we are three weeks later.
1: Yeah, this could be an all-timer right here. You don't think Kevin Stefanski wishes Cleveland could get in the mix for Kirk Cousins right now? Stefanski, (laughs) if you forget, the head coach of the Browns, used to be the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. He presided over the best season of Kirk Cousins' career. He got a lot out of Kirk Cousins back then. And you put him on this offense with Amari Cooper and that offensive line and what they can do based on Jim Schwartz's defense as well, that would be a very formidable football team. The The thing that's holding them back is is the quarterback that costs more money than any quarterback in history. So, it's let, shocking. But let's look
0: at that picture as a whole right now, okay? In that division, they are sitting at 2-2. Two and two. It is pretty clear that nobody's going to take a stranglehold of that division. Is that fair no. to say?
1: Yeah, the Ravens blew that opportunity over the weekend.
0: Yep. And... The bengals might be on their way back but we don't know that for sure and they've got a brutal schedule in front of them there is zero about the steelers that i would trust right now and i would also argue that the browns have the single best unit in the
1: entire division with their defense yeah you're gonna waste that it looks like it sadly it looks like it the, the the watson thing I was a big believer that he was going to be able to turn it around this season. Injuries happen. I'm not going to blame him for the injury if this turns out to be a thing. But, you know, ultimately, when a guy is accused of doing what he's accused of doing, and, I mean, did he face any punishment for it whatsoever? Like, yeah, he couldn't play football. But I believe he was getting paid. And then he settled all the suits. So it's not like for the the, 11 games, he he did
0: lose that salary.
1: So he loses that salary, sure. But for a, a decent portion of it, he was getting paid until they got to that point. He loses the 11 games of salary. Oh, but you know what? Excuse me. Let me back up a second. If you remember, they structured
0: it so that the salary last year was only a million
1: dollars. Right. So he a lost dollars. very little. All of it was, yeah, exactly. So they structured right. it to kind of get away from that for him. So they've got the team covering up for him there. He never goes to jail or sees a courtroom, apparently, for anything that happened with the other stuff then he is a rewarded with the richest contract in history, one of the only fully guaranteed contracts that's ever been handed out, certainly much more than Kirk Cousins got with that 3 years 88 million or whatever it originally was. What would be his reason to believe he needs to change? Like there's yep. a lot out there for why Watson should change as a human being, but ultimately he's been rewarded or not punished at For every <laughs> single stop. Everything he's done has resulted in him just making tons of money and getting every opportunity he wants. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of motivation there to change your process. And that's what the Browns were betting on. And if the Browns had that right now, if they had anything close to that original Deshaun Watson, my goodness, that team might, that team might be undefeated right now. That team might be the scariest team in the AFC but instead, they're two and two, and they might be starting PJ Walker this weekend. And it, That could go down listen, as an all time bad deal because the Browns can't get that's fully guaranteed, Carlin. Yeah. Like, they can't move on from that. No. There's no getting out from underneath that. Absolutely
0: not. No, not without absolutely destroying your cap for two years. Absolutely not. And Oof. then we don't even talk about the fact that they lost their best offensive player with Nick Chubb. Yeah. We don't even talk about that. And it, it's insane to me that. They are in this position, but there, there are going to be people, and I understand it, who are going to call it karma. Because when you go and you do all that and then you get burned for it, well, that maybe, maybe that will be the idea in the future to keep you from making that kind of an investment in somebody that really did not deserve that kind of investment.
1: That's a deal that sinks an organization. It blows out a front office. It blows out a coaching staff, and it leads to a total reset if it doesn't work.
0: And unfortunately, all those things will happen, but there was one person that was responsible for that deal happening, and it was Jimmy Haslam. That's it. He was more than willing to do it, and what anybody else ever said, none of that mattered. All he wanted was a winning quarterback. This is the Carlin
1: vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.